Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning we are ending off our series that we kicked the year off with. It's called 2020 Vision. And it's all about having divine direction, having clarity with what God wants to come and do in your life. And as part of this series, actually it comes from this word that we've received as a family together and as leadership. And that this is the year that God is calling us to accelerate in our celebration of Jesus. That we would celebrate him in every single area of your life. So if you were wondering why you can celebrate Jesus, can I just quickly tell you and remind you why you have every single moment as a Christ follower in your life to celebrate Jesus. Firstly, Psalm 30 says the following. It says, he will turn your mourning into dancing. Guys, that's your past. That's becoming something better. Then, your present. Romans 8, he will make everything work together for good. Everything in your life, no matter where you find yourself this year, no matter where you come from last year, it's going to work out together for good. And then lastly, if that's not enough, your future plans. Listen to this. Jeremiah says the following, I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. That is my plans, a plan for a great and a good future. So as a family, we're looking at this personally, where you are in your journey. I really trust and I really pray that you would take this word with you as you walk through 2020, the rest of this year, every single step of the way, that you will find God's goodness in every area of your life life and celebrate with us. So that we kicked the series off first week and we said it was Donnie came to preach and he talked about the power to become. Now, I don't know about you, but as long as I grew up, wherever I would go, people would ask me, Lorraine, what are you going to be one day when you grow up? Anybody experience that question? Ask that question maybe to someone next to you or something like that. And then always we would answer with something like, I'm going to become a policeman. Who wanted to be a policeman? Anybody here? Any policeman in the Okay, we have one in the front. I'm going to become a doctor. I was going to become married. That was mine. Okay? But it's interesting to see how we ask people what they're going to do, and they identify themselves with that. So it's kind of like what I do determines who I am. So when I do police work, I'm a policeman. But the Bible has it totally the opposite way around, and that's exactly what Donnie came to speak about. Genesis 1 says, God says, I made you in my image and in my likeness. First, who are you? You are the image. And you are the likeness of God. Then, he says, now, because of who you are, now you go out and you do. So it's not what you do that determines who you are, but it's who you are that determines what you do. May you in this here live that truth. May you stand on that rock. Don't try and prove something because God has already done something in your life. You just go out and live it. That's the reality for 2020 vision. That's when you have clarity about your future. Last week, Abel spoke about wisdom, the wisdom to know, and I had to speak about the Weisheit um te Viet. It was really interesting on that side. Can I just say, preaching Afrikaans is not my biggest forte, but it really went well, I believe. You can ask my wife. She can tell you if I might be lying this morning. But it really went well. And um, we basically tackled this question that says, listen, we always want to ask God, God, what do I need to 
do next. I have all of these big challenges, big opportunities. What's the decision I need to make? Tell me, just tell me. And the reality is God does not tell us what to do. However, he gives us the wisdom to know what's the next step. And we said... In order to be wise, you need to walk with the wise. You need to ask the Father, and you need to make the decision. Those were the three things that we talked about. And this morning, we're going to wrap up the series with something that I believe every single person in this building will face this year. Truly, if we're going to give ourselves to God's divine direction this year, and we're saying, God, I want to walk this journey and this road with you, every single one of us will be faced this year with something new. We'll have to probably start something new. That's why we have the New Year's resolutions. Whether new means you start at school. My little boy started school. This, well, my girls started school at Unisium. My boys started grade one this year. So new adventures waiting for him. Whether it's you need to start over in a relationship that was really rough. Whether it is you need to start and you need to go to rehab because you've been struggling with an addiction. Maybe that's the new thing you need to start this year. Maybe you need to start in a new job. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the new thing that's waiting for you. Maybe you're thinking about starting ministry. Maybe it's starting to tithe. Maybe it's starting in a small group. Whatever your new thing is that you need to start, do you know what I found happen? Most of the people don't even start. They fail before they start it. Actually, they fail to start. That's the reality. Stats tells us every single year there is a brand new New Year's resolution for everybody. And then they have like the top 10. And you know what's always in the top two of the top 10 of the New Year's resolution? Can you guess what's number one? <laughs> Losing weight. The stupid's going down, people. That, that's, the, that's number one. And then the second one is save money. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. This year, I'm going to lose weight. And I'm going to save money. And then next year, what's my news? I'm going to lose weight again. And I'm going to save money. Like, when are you going to start losing and saving what's happening in your life here, man? That's kind of the picture. So for some other reason, it looks like we struggle to start with what we need to do. Now, those may be small things to some of us. But to some of us, they are big. They are gigantic. That's waiting for us. And there may be big things that you're waiting, that's waiting for you this year, but you're just afraid. You're not sure whether I can do this. This looks too big. So this morning, I want to speak about the faith to start. In this year, and actually in every single moment of your life, God gives us the faith to start with the things that we're doing. And we're going to be looking at the story of Nehemiah as we're going on this journey. Just one note, in order to step towards your destiny this year, I want you to hear this. In order to step towards your destiny, you often have to step away from your security. And you need to start something new. And that was the case for Nehemiah. So quickly, let me give this guy some backstory. I don't know if everybody knows about Nehemiah and what happened with him, but let's dive into his story. It was quite a few years back. It's still in the Old Testament, and we find the Israelites in a really rough spot. 
God has asked the Israelites that they should obey him and they should worship him every single moment of their life. The Israelites decided, we think that's a nice idea. We're not going to do that. And then in order for God to just talk to these guys, and he was like, okay, I want to bless you, but if you're going to disobey me, the reality is, is I need to teach you that lesson. I need to show you guys what I have for you, what I'm longing for you. And what happened was he allowed the Babylonians to come and take over all of Israel and Jerusalem, and the city was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the wall was destroyed, and they were taken into captivity for 140 years. Can you imagine 140 years? That's, that's quite some time. Um, that's quite a really, really long time. If you go 140 years back, the First and the Second World War did not even yet happen. That's how far back these guys were taken into captivity. And they were sitting there, and after 140 years, finally God released a group of people to go back, a remnant to start over again, start afresh, and saying, God, thank you that we can go back to our own land, the land that you've promised for us. We want to start and dive in. But the Israelites are discouraged. They're embarrassed. They're just totally humiliated. And things aren't going their way until God decides to call a man. And as we always say in Doxa Day, when you have a man, you have a mission. So God gets himself a man, and he's busy with a mission. And this guy's name is Nehemiah. And God gives him something that I'd like to call this morning a divine burden. I mean, I'm talking miles and miles, actually 820 miles away. Nehemiah is sitting in a totally different city, and God places on his heart a compassion and a divine burden for God's people and for God's city. And Nehemiah stands up, and he says, not over my dead body. This is not how it's going to happen. This is God's people. This is his place. This is his city. And as long as I'm alive, that wall will not stay the way it is. God placed something in his heart. I wonder how many people are sitting here this morning. You don't even realize it yet, but God has given you a divine burden. Something that's stirring up in your heart. Some sort of injustice. Something that you know God is busy doing. I've spoken to some of you guys coming to me and telling me, Lorraine, I want to do this. I think this is the thing. This is, I really need to do this. God is just placing this thing in my heart. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there quite a few times. I've experienced it myself. I'm thinking of big, great people. Great, big names in the past. Like William Wilberforce. don't know how many people know this name. But this was the guy that abolished the slave trade. And I don't know if you've ever watched the story of his life. It's really powerful. The movie's name is Amazing Grace. The guy's mentor was the guy that actually wrote the song Amazing Grace. But in this story, it's just so amazing to see, and it's really intriguing to see how this guy is struggling with this burden. He's trying to figure out where does he fit. He's not really a pastor, but he really longs to be with Jesus. And then the other side, there's this political game that he needs to play, and how he's journeying through it. And I'll never forget the moment when one of the guys that comes to him, one of his friends actually looks at him, and he says the following to William. He says, maybe this is God's calling over your life as he's struggling, whether it's full-time ministry or going into this political arena. And the next moment, someone has the clarity to tell him, listen here, God is calling you 
to this environment, and this is also his work. This is the work of the Lord. What a man that pushed through. He took this divine burden on himself that God has given him. Many times, that burden, guys, is the picture or the compass for the direction. God is going to take you and me in, in this year. What's amazing about William Wilberforce, I just want to mention that, but history tells us that there were no, never ever in all of history were there any empire that rose without building it on the backs of slaves. There's never been an empire that rose in human history that had not slaves at the back and at the richness of that empire. However, William Wilberforce stands out in history as the first man to ever in any empire, abolish the slave trade. In all of human history, this was the burden that God gave him, and it was done, it was finished, it's gone. No more slavery in the Western world. William Wilberforce, you and I and some of the guys here sitting, we had a Popeye moment. Do you guys know Popeye? Anybody watched Popeye when you were young? Loved watching Popeye. The sailor man with his spinach, getting kids to eat their spinach, eh? <laughs> And he had this moment while he's busy in the story, it will always be something Popeye and trying to save, and then there gets to a point where his frustration is just too much, and he just looks at it and he says, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And then he takes out his spinach, and he eats his spinach up, and then kong, kong, everything happens, and he runs, and he, all the bullies have it. And there Popeye goes. Because he's had his moment of, I cannot stand the injustice that I'm seeing in this city. No longer, as long as I'm alive, this will no longer stay. God gives you and me a divine burden. Can you still keep on standing? Or are you at the place where you had your Popeye moment and you can't stand it no more? And you need to get up. Because that's exactly where Nehemiah finds himself. And what's interesting about Nehemiah, he's probably the most unlikely guy to go into construction. I don't know if you realize what this man did before he decided he's going to go and rebuild Jerusalem's walls. But he was the cupbearer, meaning he had a finer taste, you know, for the finer things in life. That was kind of like his thing, drinking some wine, tasting it nice before the king would go. That's kind of the picture that you would have. He would like, turn the glass. Mmm, mm, nice. I'm, I'm tasting a little bit twin all, on a twin, something kind of like that. That's what I'm, that's the picture. And this guy saying, guy, I'm going to build a wall. I'm going to go construction. Can you imagine what that man must have been going through? He would probably be thinking, oh, my word, people are going to laugh at me. I mean, who am I? I know stuff about wine. I know nothing about whatever. Can I even do this? Where do I start mixing cement? Do I even know how cement works? That's kind of the picture that this man. But there is something that God has placed on his heart. Guys, can I tell you, when God places a burden on your heart, it means he's trusting you with that burden. I want you to hear this again. When God places a burden on your heart, it means he's trusting you with that burden. He thinks what you have and what he has given you is going to be enough. 
Because at first glance, when we look at Nehemiah's life and we hear that he's like this cupbearer, do you really know what a cupbearer actually did? The cupbearer was the guy that tasted not whether the wine was tasting good, it was tasting whether the wine had poison in it. So if the cupbearer would taste some of the wine and he'd fall flat dead right there, the king, no, it's probably not a good idea to, you know, drink of this wine. See, and God placed something in Nehemiah's heart, the bravery, the courage, the guts to do what needs to be done. And God saw that in him. Even though you might not see it in yourself, or Nehemiah might have not seen it in himself, but God saw it, and he had a plan. Now, I know you might be sitting here, and you might be thinking about your burden, your big thing. I don't know how big that is. I don't know how much it scares you. And you might be saying, well, Lorraine, that's all good. But how do I even tackle this burden? What do I do with this thing that God has given me? What do I do with this something big? How do I go and rebuild the walls God has given me to go and rebuild? Let's just quickly define what does something big mean. Something big can mean you need to start a women's group for women that's on the streets. But it can also mean you just start a community group with people around. That might be something big. It might mean you need to pay off your student loan. Where do I need to start, God? Where do I need to start this year? That I get out of that, that I can be a blessing to other people. It might mean that God's calling you to lead a men's event with hundreds of people, or it just might mean that God is asking you to be a godly father and a, and a godly husband of your own home. Whatever your big is, here is where I want you to start. Listen to what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah 1, verses 5 to 11. I'm giving you a quick summary of that. I'm not going to read the whole portion. But basically, Nehemiah does the following. He goes to God. He says, Lord God of heaven, great and awesome God, let your ear be attentive to the cries of my heart. I confess our sins, including my own God. We've acted wickedly toward you. Remember the promises you gave your people, God, and, listen to this, and grant your servants success as I go before the king. How do we start something big? By doing something small. We start with the first small step. That's how we take over. That's, that's the way you move a mountain, one barrel at a time. One wheelbarrow at a time. Small steps. And what Nehemiah did with this burden is he seriously took it to God and he asked for the courage to take the first step to go before the king and ask whether the king would bless him as he would like to go and do something that nobody would think a cupbearer would be able to do. I don't know about you guys, but have you ever seen a little baby starting to take its first step. It's an interesting moment. It looks like a little drunk Frankenstein. <laughs> if you've ever seen it. And it's like, it's really not that place. It's not perfect. It doesn't happen well. It's, it's an interesting moment. And usually it's, and then it's over. Next step's not going to happen. And then have you seen parents after their kids take a first step? They go to their kids like, what's this? I mean, this is not perfect. I mean, what, whatever. You need to start sorting it out. What's going on here? It's, what's this? It's not up to standard. I'm going to sort you out. 
that's never what they do. Am I correct? No, no, no. They go like, whoa, wow, check it out. It's so mooey, it's so mooey. It's amazing. You're amazing. Just look at this. Oh, he took his first step. It's like, honey, honey, come and check, come and check. Did you catch it on the phone? Get it on the phone. He's taking his first step. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. We all know it's not beautiful. It's drunk Frankenstein. <laughs> but it's beautiful. And we show it to the world. Everybody needs to know about this moment. Guys, when you take your first step, I want you to know that's what God's doing. He's looking at his child. And he's saying, that's it, my girl. That's it, my boy. You're doing great. Keep on going. Keep on going. I see you moving in the direction that I have planned for you. I have placed things on your life, good deeds for you to go and do, specifically for you. And he's going crazy. <laughs> he's super excited about the fact that you're taking that small little step. No matter how big the thing is that's waiting for you. Guys, how do we tackle big things? We take that first small step of faith. What's the next thing we need to do? Now you've had your first moment, the drunk Frankenstein moment. You, you're walking. It's gone. You've already had your Popeye moment. And you know, this is the burden. I've taken my first step. Then what? What's next? Well, it's going to sound very logical, very common sense driven. But you just take the next step. That's what we do. And it's really interesting when we look at the life of Nehemiah and we look at other people's lives like a William Wilberforce or whoever you can think of in this story and people that achieved great things. The reality is you think of them in that moment like a Nehemiah and then the next moment you think, oh, the guy that rebuilt the walls. It's like one boom, built, built the walls. But that's not the case. I quickly want to take you down the journey. Just quickly think about what Nehemiah had to do. He receives this divine burden, prays about it. Then he had to go and ask the king, step one. Then he had to pack his bags. Then he had to get on a donkey and drive 820 miles. Can you imagine? When he arrived, the Bible said he rested for three days. Now we know why. Because it was 820 miles on a donkey's back. Everyone will have to rest for a few days after that moment. Then he had to go and gather the people. Then the Bible tells us that at a certain stage they had to fight while they were building. Can you imagine that? Fighting while you're building. Then after they won the fight, it finally says they had to build like at lightning speed, which basically just meant they worked their tails off. And then finally, after 52 days, Jerusalem's walls was restored. The expert says by any feed, this was a great human achievement for those days and with the technology available. There is always a next step in your journey for whatever God has given you to tackle this here. The faith to start, yes, starts with going to God, asking for the courage, but it's also staying with God, persevering through the journey that he's taking you on as he's calling you to tackle big things for him. 
I love this quote that was given to Craig Rochelle. He quotes it quite a few times. This was uh, one of his mentors when he started a church. And this happened right after the seminary, theological seminary, told him they will not give him the right to become a preacher because he doesn't have the capacity to do that. He's not in line. He will not be a pastor. And as he's driving away, God just spoke to him and saying, you are not who they say you are. You are who I say you are. And this man at the beginning of his journey told, told Craig Rochelle the following. And I, I love this quote. It says the following. It says, Craig, you will very likely overestimate what God will do for you in the short run. Isn't that true? Whenever we start something new, we're like, yes. Tomorrow we're going to be like 100,000 people in this church. Next level things are going to happen. Or tomorrow I start my community group and within the second week we will have to multiply because we're going to be so big. Or maybe I start school. It's going to be so easy, man. It's going to happen. Before you wipe your eyes, you're going to be on the other side. And not really. (laughs) Some hard work accompanies that journey. But listen to this. He says, but you will vastly underestimate what God will do through a lifetime of faithfulness. Guys, it's in that journey that God changes you. It's the story of the Israelites. We all think about the promised land, but we miss the fact that God was making them into a new nation. And he was more concerned with who they were becoming than where they were going. That's the journey. Signing up for every single step. I want to end off with a story. It's my own story of my own burden. I just, um, Bloemfontein, I think Cindy and... uh, uh, Sean just joined the church actually at that stage. It was not too far back from then in those years. And I um, was driving from a vacation time back home. And uh, it was the same here that Nelson Mandela actually died. And I had a conversation with someone. And it stirred up this burden in me. It was, it was my poor pie moment. Because uh, there is this little frustration that's just like building up in me. That talking to people about the problems of the past, but nobody's ever doing something about them. And then obviously when Mandela died in terms of the problems of the past of this nation, it was a topic of discussion. And that was just like the end for me. That was the I can't stand it, I can stand it no more. That was my moment. And I was like, God, I'll even go out of ministry, but I cannot stand this anymore. And I started the journey with God. At that stage, I was leading tech at Doxadeo, Fichard Park. I was the tech guy. But I'm going to change the world, people. Watch it. That was what's in my heart. It's the most unlikely picture possible. However, I did know, in terms of my journey with leaders in my life, that God has called me to be a leader. And I committed there and then and said, God, from this moment on, I will lead something that brings hope into this country. No matter what I lead, I wanted to give hope to South Africa. That's what's on my heart. Started the journey. Little did I know that a few months later, God would call me and I would start leading an English morning service. That at that stage was about 30 people. That included the worship team sitting in the aisles. It was really an interesting season for us. I don't know, for those guys who journeyed with us, our first move was to host a welcoming home uh, party. Welcome home, our homecoming party. 
a breakfast that morning. So we decided, our 30 people, we're going to host a breakfast. And you'll never guess what? A hundred people rocked up that morning. It was amazing. I was hoping for like 300, but we had 100. It was next level. <laughs> Very exciting stuff, but slow. And I still remember the nights preparing Alfonso Elise. They were making tables nice and all that stuff. It was a big, big job, but it was an amazing moment to see God doing something. Just taking the next step, whatever God's given you. Then in 2018, I'll never forget it, God challenging us to double our community groups. And we saw God doing that. We literally doubled the amount of people that were in a community group and the number of community groups in that one year. And we had this explosion that God just did. And at the end of that year, something would happen that I would have never guessed in my whole life would happen. But God said, take over a club. And we took over a nightclub. And it became a light club, as Alphonse says. And probably some of you guys are sitting here because of that. You've never been part of the journey until now. You've just joined only now in this journey. And let me tell you, this is not the end of the journey. Because our next step that we need to take is the step to make open and open up our lives and our hearts and our homes for more people. As God says, create space, second service. Here it comes. And let me tell you, that's also not the end of the journey. The end of the journey is when we see a city transform and God rules and reigns in this city and touches this nation. Guys, that's where we're going. Are you willing to take the next step, whatever the role may be, for you and what God has for you? I want you to take this word in Galatians 6 verse 9 with you. And then we're ending off. It says the following. Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, yes, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Just keep on going in the direction God has for you. Not to prove anything. And don't back out by trying to say, God, I want to hear exactly the detail. He will give you the wisdom to walk that road. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that this morning, as we are entering into a new season, a season where you're doing brand new things, that we can celebrate your goodness, your goodness from the past, your goodness in the present, and your goodness in our future. Father, that we can celebrate the fact that you will give us the faith to take the steps that we need to take. I just want to ask you, if you want to make a public moment of this, I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but just saying, Jesus, I want to take that step. I'm not going to sit anymore and entertain a burden. Put up your hand. Put up your hand with me if that's you. Amen. Mm. Father, whoever his hands is up now and saying, God, I need your strength. I need your faith. I pray for the first step. I pray, Father, that your spirit will encourage people in their first steps. I pray for every single next step that's waiting for them, that your spirit will be the one that encourages them and helps them to persevere in faith as they walk on this journey. And God, that we will all celebrate how your kingdom comes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.